My name's Scott Meyer, if you don't know me, and I get to do most of the preaching here. And last week, I was out, got to spend the week in Colorado with my family and enduring 65-degree weather, and it's a balmy 65, but excited to be back today. A uh, couple of just personal notes as we do that. First of all, uh, I find myself on the Sundays that I'm not here, I really do miss you guys. And I miss not being a part of this. I love the fact that we are live streaming now. And so for those that are watching us on the live stream, welcome. And I got to participate in the service by watching last week through the live stream and had that experience. Usually I'm on the other side of that. But last week, Pierce Miller, our preaching intern, uh, delivered a fantastic message in this series I'm in. And I really want to encourage you, if you, hadn't, if you didn't get a chance to see that or watch it yet, you want to go back and watch that message. We've got them online, and you can find them on our YouTube channel. And I encourage you to do that because Pierce talked about Peter in a very particular way. And Peter, when he was at his most self-reliant, and then when he realized he was at his most unhelpful self. I mean, he went from top to bottom, and Pierce addressed what it means then for Jesus to come in and restore Peter. And that connects with so many of our lives. I really want to encourage you to take a look at that. Two other things I just want to mention coming up. Uh, first of all, right now I have been requesting for you to send your questions in under this deal called Can We Talk? And I have already received 37 questions. Well, I've received about 35 questions and a couple of suggestions. How about that? Um, I'm really looking for the questions, though. But if you have a question on anything that's going on in our culture, anything that, that has to do with maybe what we're seeing and what God would say about the stuff going on in our country or around the world, there's all kinds of heated debates and conversations going out. And I want to just gather what we're experiencing as a church. What are you experiencing? What are you faced with out there in your workplace, in your relationships, in the places where you travel and go? And I want to know that, and then we're going to work. I'll be working with the ministers and with the elders, and we'll try to form biblical responses. Now, I'm not promising everything's going to get a sermon, okay? But I will promise that we'll do our best to be uh, good stewards of your questions. And I've gotten some great, great challenging questions already. Uh, you can be anonymous if you want. We're not capturing your email or anything like that. If you want to include your name, some, many of you have already. You just include it in the response and that way we'll know. Uh, but if you want to go to westernmills.church, you'll see a Can We Talk button there. Or if you want to scan the QR code that you see on the screen right now, feel free to do that. We've got two more weeks in the I'm In series, and I'll talk about that in just a second. But then following this series, uh, on August 1st, we're going to have our Senior Sunday, where Justin uh, Hammond, our youth minister, and uh, Austin will be bringing the message for us and celebrating our seniors that are about to head off to their next stage of, of life and bless them. Following that, I'm going to launch a series that I'm very excited about. It's called Face to Face. And these are going to be encounters that people had with Jesus all in the Gospel of John. And as you walk through that, you start to realize that these are real people. Oftentimes we start thinking of Bible stories as people that didn't exactly, didn't quite live or they really sort of floated about two feet off the ground. They never really got dirty like us. But John, again, gives picture after picture after picture of 
real people. People that may describe you, may describe me. And they come face to face with Jesus, who we believe is really God. And they have this encounter that changes them. And so if you've got somebody in your life that, that may be trying to figure out who Jesus is or if Jesus would love them or not, I'm going to ask you to invite them. I'm going to ask you to make a note that you're going to send them a text and say, hey, we've got something coming up. So that's going to start on August 8th, face-to-face, and I know you're going to want to be a part, a part of that. Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into our scriptures for today. Father, I thank you for this gathering. Thank you for all those that are present on this campus. Thank you for those that are joining us through the live stream. Father, you would be at work as we open your word, as we see in your scriptures what you have for us. Uh, Father, I pray that you would give us fresh ears to hear you speak. And Father, that you would change our hearts today. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Well, we've in the series, I'm in. And if this is your first time with us, you're on, you're on a great, great Sunday because I think this is a message that you're going to want to be here and be a part of. This is why we've got this dock built up here because the idea is that when, you, when you're in something, you're fully committed. You can't jump halfway into the lake. You can't just take a partial leap. It's with the enthusiasm and the eagerness of these children that you see in the picture that we want to be in Jesus. And we're using the biblical story of a man named Peter. And most of you have at least some familiarity with Peter when you walk in the room or when you show up at church because Peter is one of the stars of the Bible in many ways. He's one of the, the great heroes that we have. We name hospitals, we name church buildings, we name uh, cathedrals after Peter. Um, it's a proud name to be associated with. And we're looking at his decision points in his faith. Because as much as we want to hold Peter up, I also want to hold him down to the ground and remind him that he's just like us. He's not far removed. In fact, that's the message of Pierce's message last week. That's the point of it, is that Peter was in one of his lowest moments. If, if there had been any type of goof in your life, any type of, I wish I hadn't done that, any type of sin in your life, Peter's got you beat. Because he denied Jesus to his face. And then on top of that, it got recorded in the Bible forever. How would you like that to be your story? It made the book. And yet, here's Peter. He's offered a restored self in that moment. And he goes from that moment where Jesus restores him and says, I've got a mission for you. It's like the light went on. Ding. And Peter says, I'm in. And so today... We're going to see the result of that. A whole nother decision moment. Except this time, all the decision moments that we looked at so far were decision moments that Peter was actually in making himself. Does he decide to get out of the boat and try to walk on water? Does he decide to deny Jesus or stand up for him? This is a decision moment now where Peter actually brings the decision moment to us as he preaches the very first gospel sermon ever preached. And so I want to set you up for that is it takes place at a time called Pentecost. And that simply means 
50 days. 50 days after Jesus' resurrection comes this moment that we've come to refer to as Pentecost. And Jerusalem, you have to understand at this time, is, is overloaded with pilgrims. I mean, there's the normal population of Jerusalem, and it has swelled to vastly numerous times beyond that. Because everybody's there for these feasts, these religious practices. And they've gone on a pilgrimage to come. And so the whole town and the temple area and everything is full. And in the middle of that, there's a small group of believers. And they have been waiting for something that Jesus had promised would come. That there's going to be a moment where the Holy Spirit comes to them. And that's going to break out this gospel message. This message that Jesus is the Lord. And that moment happens at Pentecost. And Peter and the others, they begin to talk in a strange way. And they're talking in all these different languages. Their their accents lets everybody know that they're from Galilee. That they're Galilean. But they're hearing it in all these other languages language and these other tongues and and it's something miraculous is going on in fact it's so strange they're causing such a commotion and everybody looks at them and says they're drunk and then peter does a great thing and i've never started a sermon this way but peter gets up and saying ladies and gentlemen these guys aren't drunk but god's doing something new and so peter begins to bring this message and i want you to open your bibles or open the app to acts chapter 2 This is where you see this sermon. And I want to encourage you to spend some time this week reading this sermon. Because perhaps if you've grown up in a tradition like I have, we focus in on one verse of this whole sermon. And I'm going to get to that verse. I just don't want you to get ahead of me. Okay? But the sermon talks about God's doing a new thing. And the Holy Spirit is coming. And God's going to be with his people in a whole new way. And you have to understand how radically different this is sounding to these people. And he begins to preach that God's doing something new. And this has been foretold. And this is coming. And it's going to be big. And it's going to be bold. And it's going to be new and grand. And this is God's vision all along. And then he begins to introduce this truth that Jesus came to represent that. And now, people are back on their heels just a little bit. Because Jesus had been in the news. Jesus, his execution wasn't an unknown. It it wasn't an out of sight, out of mind moment. This was top of the headline news. This was recent, really, only 50 days ago. 53 days ago. And so... He begins to talk about this Jesus in a different way. And well, let me show you. We're going to jump down to Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, and this is where we're going to start reading. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, and he'd been talking about him, this Jesus, whom you crucified. Now, how would you like to have that in a sermon that's being preached right to you? You crucified him both, and here's what I want you to pay attention to, because this is going to really matter, both the Lord and Messiah. And if you circle stuff in your Bible, I want you to circle those. If you write in your Bible, if you want to 
right on the screen of your app. I don't care. Just do that. Lord Messiah, he goes on. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's go back to those two words, Lord and Messiah. Because this is a radical statement. Now, your Bible may translate it um, Christ. Okay? And I want to talk about what Peter's doing there. Because if you grew up, me, I, I grew up in a tradition of faith known as the Church of Christ. And Acts 2.38 is like our theme verse. Okay, Now, the problem is we so focus on it that we lift it almost out of its context and we quote it all the time, but it has a very specific context that does matter. And I want to redeem it. I want to keep it in its context. So I don't want to get to 238 before we get to 236. And so because this is where Peter makes this statement that doesn't sound too radical to us because we're well on this side of the crucifixion and the resurrection. But when Peter's audience... All these uh, Jewish people that had come into Jerusalem at the time to celebrate and honor and worship God, they now hear this message and he says, This Jesus, the one that you've heard about, the one that was killed, the one that walked out of the tomb, he was Lord and Messiah. And what Peter is doing at that moment, he's bringing two things together. And he's bringing two theological concepts that they both understood. Lord, it's Master. It's one with authority. It's, it's one that would be divine. And that was reserved for God. And another concept that they would have been familiar with was this idea of Messiah. Your Bible may say Christ. Either one means the anointed one, the chosen one, the one that had been predicted to come, that Israel had been waiting for, that we, all of our hopes were on, but this person was not God. And what Peter does with this statement, he says, God's doing something new. And he sent Jesus, you crucified him, but God made him both Lord and Messiah. And he brings these two together. Another way to say it, he's Lord and he's Savior together. And now what Peter's saying that's so radical that sometimes we miss is that these two are now found in one person, one identity. And that's the one that you crucified. Well, you can imagine how unsettling this would be. That these two brought, brought together. And, and this is where they have this response of what do we need to do? Because, Peter, you have given us some radical new Language. You've given us a new way to think about this. And he's leading them up to a certain response. He's leading to a certain place. And so now, and I love the fact that the Bible says they were cut to the heart. You ever had that moment? You, you have that moment where all your defenses go down. And your pride goes out the door. And you realize, I've made a mess of this. I, 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 I am ashamed of what I've done. That's what it means. This is a deep feeling 
and there's a, a response in them, and they go, what can we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. Now I'm going to walk you through just a little bit what that means. I want to talk about this. This is a little bit about, you know, you've heard the phrase, we need to practice what we preach. Well, today I'm going to preach about what we practice. We're going to talk about some things that we do. So for some of you, I think this may be um, very familiar. But for many of us, I think we need to keep an eye on what this means to us. And why do we practice these things? The first word you come to is repent. Do just a little bit of Greek. Metaneo is how you say it in Greek. But at its core, it means to change your mind. You metneo. You can maybe also turn around. Um, you heard the phrase, you turn around. It's going a different direction. I used to say, like, you know, you make a 360-degree turn, and which shows I'm not really good at math. And then I realized that that's headed in the same direction, so don't do that. But it's a changing of your mind to where you have a mindset. And it doesn't mean just... I think one thing, and now I'm going to think the other thing. It's a, it's a direction in your life. It's an assumption that you're basing your life on. And I'm headed one way. I'm living one way. And now I'm going to change that. And now, don't lose fact. Jesus has been made Lord and Savior. Because we're about to bring those things together. And so part of it is living under one set of lordship, my own... Versus now I'm living under a different worship because I've changed my mind. I've changed how I see the world. The next word, baptized, repent, change your mind, and be baptized. Greek for this is baptizo. Now, this is an interesting word because this is a word that in your Bible, whenever you see it, what you're actually seeing is what's known as a, um, uh, a translated word, a transliteration is the fancy way to say it. Meaning that when the early um, translators came along to this word, instead of translating to its meaning, they made an English word out of the Greek word. Does that make sense? They, they took an English word, and part of the problem was that the word means immersion. In fact, it actually is not a particularly religious word. Now, it is now. That's all the context that's around it. But... For the first readers of this, when this was originally written, baptizo, to immerse, was not a particularly churchy word. In fact, if you, you can read naval accounts, any time that a, you know, two ships fought and one was sunk, it was baptizoed. It was sunk out there. We even have recipes on how to um, make, we have a recipe from the first century about how to make pickles. And you immerse, you baptizo the cucumbers. Okay, that's so again, there wasn't anything particularly significantly spiritual about it, but the practice meant to immerse. And so what Peter is telling this group is, is you change your mind and then you baptizo. There's an immersion that comes. Now, baptism did not start on that particular day. The Jewish people had a practice of ritual cleansing and washing. But what Peter is now calling them to do is something uniquely different. He says, this practice you've already been, you're now going to do it in a different name. You're going to do it in the name of Jesus. 
the one that we claim to be Lord. And so he's bringing together these two concepts of what does it mean to change your mind. It's this idea that you're going to go under submission of somebody else. And you're going to declare that through your baptism. It's a, it's a in the name of Jesus I'm being baptized. It, it's a way to declare something. I mean, it was a clear sign to all. That, that's why it was not ever intended to be simple and just intimately personal. It is intimately personal, but not private and secluded. That it was this declaration that you were going to shift allegiances and put your trust in Jesus, the one that God made Lord and Savior, Lord and Messiah. And so, just for the last few minutes here, I want to unpack what that means for us. This idea that it's both Lord and Savior, because when we're baptized, we're baptized into this covenant with Him. And this whole thing fulfills what God had promised all along. And in a covenant relationship, I want you to understand this. A covenant is more binding than a simple relationship. It's not just an acquaintance. At the same time, it's more relational than a legal contract. It's both of those things overlapped. That's why the closest relationship that we have is a marriage relationship, which both has a legal aspect to it and a relational aspect to it. And when Jesus goes to the cross, what he's doing is he's declaring, here's my, here's my relationship, here's my covenant that I'm inviting you into. And he accomplishes all of the work of the covenant. He fulfills completely his part. And that's to save us. And so what do we do in our baptism? We participate in the covenant that he established. And we enter into that relationship. That's why baptism is so symbolic. That's why we believe and we practice it as an immersion. Because if you think about it, there is a, a burial going on under the waters of baptism. There is a resurrection coming up. This is why when you hear us talk about baptism and you see us celebrate baptisms and we make such a big deal about them, is because there is a new creation. Anytime there's a new creation, it's celebrated. I mean, at birth, we go crazy. It's the same idea that we're being raised up again. What is that? That's not us earning our way to heaven. It is us participating in the relationship, the covenant that Jesus is offering. We are declaring that he is both Lord and Savior. Baptism is the act of submission to the Lordship of Jesus and the participation of the saving work on the cross. That's why whenever I, and I've had the privilege to baptize many people through my youth ministry and my ministry, and there's not anywhere in Scripture, there's not a set words that have to be said at a baptism, okay? There's not, there's not a formula. But I often will talk to the person that wants to be baptized. And I'll ask them a question. Are you ready to make Jesus both Lord and Savior? Now, the Savior part comes immediately. The, you, when you are baptized, 
the work that Jesus did on the cross is sufficient. It doesn't need any more help from you. That is at work and the blood of Jesus is complete and full. That is gospel good news. That happens immediately. But the Lord part, now we're talking about an act of submission. And the Lord part, whenever I'd visit with a student, teenager, somebody that wants to be baptized, I'd say, now you understand this part, this is a daily decision. This is a decision that affects you not just today, but affects you tomorrow and the next day and next week and five years from now. And especially if I was talking to students, it'll affect your career choice. It'll affect who you marry. It'll affect how you go about a dating relationship before you ever get to marriage. It'll affect your entertainment choices. See, that's the Lord decision. The Lord declaration is an ever-ongoing thing that we must make daily. And in fact, I, I like to phrase it this way. Those of us that are baptized, we should live our life as if we're dripping wet. Because that's what we are. It is a daily decision. You know, Jesus says, pick up your cross, how often? Daily. And follow me. And there's a lot about that that I think we forget. That we lose that power in baptism. That declaration that I made, that when I made that exchange, I was accepting the saving grace of Jesus. I was not earning my salvation. But then I was also handing him the keys to my life and saying, you get to drive. You get to be in charge. I have messed up my own kingdom. I've messed up my own life. But I'm going to trust you with the choices. And I'm going to come in submission under your lordship because that's the declaration that I'm making in this moment. And that's an ongoing... And I don't want us to lose sight of that because too often I think as a church... Not just us, but churches in general. I, I think we, we miss that part. And we have hungry people that come into the doors. And they're looking for some kind of hope. And they see us act in unbaptized ways. Ways they are not in submission to the Lord. They're not in submission to Jesus. And they look and they go, what's the point? What's the difference? And we'll be the first to say, well, the magic's not in the water. And they're like, I don't see any magic anywhere. I don't see any difference. Because we're not letting our lives be transformed into his image. Years ago, when I was a student pastor, we had a very kind, sweet grandmother show up at the church one Sunday. I'm sorry, one day during the week. And she says, I'm here to get my, my grandson baptized. And I had no relationship with the grandson, even though I was in the, the youth ministry. And apparently he had been at that church earlier, before I had arrived, as a real young kid. And the grandmother had some kind of ties to the church. But one of the other ministers actually knew her. And so we all got together and said, let's do this. And the other minister was going to do the, the baptism. So I'm staying out talking to the grandmother. And... They come out and they do the baptism and they go back to change their clothes. And I turned to Grandma and said, wow, what a big change. 
And I know her line that she said next, what came out of love and affection for her grandson. But the next thing she says, she says, well, for him, it's not that big of change. Now, I, I know she's just proud of him and saying he's a good boy. But what baptism is at its very heart is it's a death. It's a burial. And that means that when there's a resurrection from that, it is and better be a radically different thing. And we need to see it that way. Not, baptism is not for kind of sick people to get slightly better. Baptism is about dead people coming alive. That's different. And that's what Peter is inviting these people to that are here in this first moment. And he calls them right to the edge. And he says, here's how you jump in. Here's how you declare I'm in. And then here's how you live outside of that. So let me show you the I'm in challenge that we have for this week. Well, I'm sorry. I'm going to do one thing. Back up. I heard a lot of people when I was in student ministry, they would do some what I call myths about baptism. And they would have these reasons on why, why they couldn't be baptized. And so if you haven't been baptized yet, and maybe these, some of these are going to hit you, and I'm not, really, I'm not trying to pick on you, but I do want to address some of these. Because we get in our head that we have to have a certain set of things before we come into the waters of baptism. And here's the first one. I would hear this. I'm not good enough. And I'm going to tell you, you're absolutely right. You're not good enough. That's what grace is. It's not a requirement that you somehow get good enough. Because if you could get good enough, there was no reason for Jesus to go to the cross. I also hear this one. I don't know enough Bible. Now, I, I'm, I want you to know Bible. I want you to know Scripture. I love Bible. I love Scripture. You do not get into heaven because you know Bible. Our faith is not based on the Bible. Before you send me an email, listen to me. Our faith is based on one single event that Jesus, who was executed in my place, rose from the tomb. That is what our faith is based on. That's what we're called to. I love Scripture, but we're not saved by the Bible, okay? The Bible, God's Word's powerful, trust me. I, I have no lack in it. But you're not saved because you know a certain amount of Scriptures compared to the person next to you. These people... That are, these, that are crying out to Peter at this very moment, what must we do? He says, repent and be baptized. We're told just a few verses later, 3,000 of them. Do you think 3,000 people understood all the scriptures the same way? Not at all. They didn't even have the New Testament, hint, hint. Okay? Their Bible bowl looked a lot different than ours. Next one. My sins are too big. No, they're not. Sin hurts and breaks the heart of God. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't surprise Him. There's no sin that you've committed that God goes, whoo, didn't see that coming. Satan wants you to think your sins are too big. Satan wants to think that you're too far gone. 
that you're out of the reach of God. And again, what baptism is, it's the changing of your mind that you're not out of the reach of God. And finally, I still have sin in my life. Shocker. Yes, you have sin in your life. See, so often, especially with students, it seems like there's this idea that I've got to get a certain set of things in my life. I've got to get something in order, and then I can show up to the party. Okay? Again, on this first day, the first people that, hear, that heard the sermon, they all responded. They didn't have time to go get their lives in order because that's not part of it. Now, yes, you still have sin in your life. Does God take sin seriously? Yes, look at the cross. That's why it's there. Very seriously. But on baptism, what the message is, is you also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so now, not that every sin, every struggle, every longing, every desire, every bit of bitterness just suddenly magically goes away. I'm not suggesting that at all. But you begin a transformation process that's powered not by you, but by the Holy Spirit. And you are being made into a new creation. Every day, looking more and more and more and more like Jesus. There's the invitation. So, with that in mind, here's the challenge. Two different challenges. If you're not yet baptized, have you submitted to Jesus in baptism? I want to encourage you, if that describes you, what better time? What, what would you be waiting for? Maybe some of these excuses, these reasonings that I've just put up, maybe that describes you, I don't know. But if it does, I want you to wrestle with this. What's holding you back from this? Because there's an invitation from God himself that Jesus is both Lord and Savior, and he wants to save you. God loves you so much that he'd rather die than live out of relationship with you. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you've already made that declaration. Then the question is, are you living each day demonstrating that he's your Lord? Are you living dripping wet? Every day, opening with the prayer, it says, Lord, today I'm yours. Today, You make the decisions. Today, I submit to your will. Because my will keeps trying to climb back in, doesn't it? Somebody once said the problem with being a living sacrifice is we keep trying to climb off the altar. That describes me. But each day, knowing that the blood of Jesus doesn't diminish, that it doesn't run out of power, that it doesn't somehow stop working or dry up, let him say, today, I get to live for you again. And I don't suggest that's easy because we're never promised comfort Christianity. But we are promised this Holy Spirit that he will power that in our lives and make what we thought was previously impossible possible. So if you would, if you would stand, I want to pray over us. I want to pray very specifically a blessing for you, because I know that this message can land in all kinds of different ways. 
And then at the conclusion of this message, if you want to come talk to me, I'll be up here. Some of the other ministers will be up here. If you want to talk to what it means to be baptized, we'd love to have that conversation with you. Let me pray for us. Father, may we repent. May we come to you with the declaration that baptism is in the waters. And may we be buried dead to our old selves and raised again. And all that that imagery means. May we participate in the saving work of the cross that Jesus did. Father, when this message could be preached even to those that crucified Jesus. And there was hope. Whatever sin that we secretly wrestle with right now. Father, there's still hope. Father, help us to put away the myths that somehow we've got to get our act all together before we're ready. And that we would hear the call that you have for us because you love us so much. Father, Jesus laid down his life to make this covenant relationship, this this interaction between us possible. Would you do a work in the heart of each person hearing this message right now. For the one that has the defenses built up, Father, would you break through those? For the one that we've been baptized and we've declared you as our Lord, but we're not living that way. We're we're acting like we're still in control. Would you humble us and redirect us? And Father, would you get all the glory for all this? Father, I'm grateful for what you're doing. I'm grateful for what you're doing in the life of this church and the number of baptisms that we get to celebrate here and the decoration that's being made each time that Jesus is Lord and Savior and bringing those two together. So it's in his name that I pray. Amen. Let's worship.